Good evening, everyone. Thank you so very much for being with us this Wednesday night. I hope that you're doing well. I can't wait to see your faces, hopefully one day soon. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for participating in our online Bible study. Uh, Kevin and I, for the last several weeks, have been talking about our friendships and not only our friendship with each other, but our friendship yeah. with others. Some of our struggles personally that we have in connecting with other people and in building relationships and in healing wounds and, and having difficult conversations. So we've been exploring those things. We've been talking just in general about the blessings and the struggles of friendship, been talking about the Apostle Paul and what some of his relationships might have looked like. And we've been talking about how the gospel helps us to be better friends. And I really think that's going to play a lot into our conversation uh, this evening. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul and his relationship with Luke. Now it's kind of interesting. Luke wrote a lot of the New Testament, the book of Luke, obviously, but also the, the, the book of Acts. Um, and so he, he's made a huge impact on the world uh, for the gospel, but there are very few direct references to Luke. So we really don't know a ton about the intricacies of Paul's relationship with Luke, but we do know a lot of the things that they went through together. Um, we're going to start with Paul's second missionary journey. I put a map up here. And the reason we know, the only reason we know or suspect that this is probably where Luke started uh, hanging out with Paul and traveling with him is because he starts to use the plural pronoun we. And so when he starts talking in, in we, we say, oh, okay, well, I guess Luke is part of the journey at this point. And so probably somewhere, I'm going to throw Travis off and stand up. I'll squat down so you can see me too. But, uh, so probably around Troas, if you can't see that on your screen, but probably around Troas is where Luke started to travel with, uh, with Paul and, and traveled with him to Philippi. But then after he's in Philippi on the second missionary journey, he stops using the, the plural uh, pronoun. And so he probably stopped and stayed in, in Philippi. And then, interestingly enough, when Paul comes back through Philippi on his third missionary journey, uh, Luke again starts to talk in the we. So he probably stayed in Philippi until Luke came back through, or until Paul came back through, and then began to travel with Paul again. And they traveled over to, back to Troas in that area, eventually down to Rome. This is actually the part of Acts in about chapter 20 where Eutychus falls asleep and falls out the window and dies. Uh, but then eventually they travel together uh, to Jerusalem uh, where Paul is, is nearly killed in Jerusalem. And then, uh, so that's the end of his third missionary journey. They end up in Jerusalem and Paul is nearly killed and he's arrested. Paul's uh, transferred up to Caesarea where he spends two years imprisoned in Caesarea. That's in Acts chapter 24. Um, then Paul appeals his case to Caesar, and, and of course he is eventually transferred to Rome by ship. And apparently Luke was allowed to travel with Paul in his imprisonment, in his prison transfer from Caesarea to, uh, to Rome. And so Luke is a part of that journey. And I just thought it's just kind of interesting as we talk about Paul's relationship with Luke. They've obviously been through a lot together already. Um, Luke has probably been there or been around when he was in prison for those two years in Caesarea. Uh, and now that they're traveling together on this ship, Luke is there with Paul. 
and the, the ship, the excursion, is incredibly perilous. Uh, we read in Acts chapter 27 and verse 37, we were in all 276 persons on the ship, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on, on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and let them and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land and, for, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. I, I love how detailed Luke is in telling this story of the shipwreck. And just to think that Luke is with Paul through all of this. This is something that they're experiencing together, this horrible shipwreck and nearly being killed, uh, nearly being killed by the sea and nearly being killed by the soldiers. And then they, they, they land on the Isle of Malta or they're shipwrecked on the, the Isle of Malta and, and they're stuck there. Eventually, though, they make their way to Rome. And in Rome, Paul writes like the letters of Colossians and Philemon and Luke sends his greetings in the end of those letters. So Luke is with Paul uh, in his Roman imprisonment. Paul's rented a, a house and he's under house arrest in Rome, and he's sending these letters, and Luke sends his greetings along with those letters. So we know Luke continues to be there right by his side, imprisonment and shipwreck and, and another imprisonment. And so Luke is there with him and, and probably ministering to him. Luke is a physician, and so he's probably ministering to Paul with encouragement as well as probably uh, medical ministering as well. Um, but, but finally, at the end of Paul's life, and this is probably, he's probably released from that Roman imprisonment, and then he travels around a little bit more, and then he's probably rearrested and brought back to Rome, and so he's in his second imprisonment. This imprisonment seems to be much worse than the first one, no longer under house arrest. He's probably in a dungeon. He's probably, you know, in shackles, and he knows that his life is almost over. He knows that he's about to die, and it's just kind of interesting to think through Second Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 9. He writes, do your best, writing to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Luke alone is with me. And I think that probably describes a good portion, especially near the end of Paul's life, that describes a good portion of his life. Luke alone is with me. Luke was one of those friends that we don't know a lot of details about his relationship with Paul. We don't know any fights that they had or arguments that they had, uh, but we know that that they were they went through a lot of storms together. Right. Or he's saying, "I'm alone with Luke. Save me." Right. And <laughs> yeah. It's like I can't do this anymore. Yeah. yeah I guess we're just assuming yeah, that's a positive. We assume thing. he likes Luke. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good assumption. Well, and I think that that kind of leads to what what we're going to talk about tonight. That there's. I think a lot of assumptions that we can take into this that, that I'm assuming that Paul invested in Luke's life. Paul invested in a lot of people's lives. Um, Paul invested in a lot of relationships. Um, I'm assuming that Paul actually 
lived out the good news and the practices that he encouraged people to to live out. He lived out the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, with some relationships, like Demas, Demas didn't return that investment. Demas didn't didn't stay with him. But, But Luke did, and Luke went through these storms, and right to the very end of Paul's life, Luke is right there with him. And I have to believe that that's because Probably Luke invested in Paul's life, but also Paul invested in his life. And here's a a thought that I wanted to end with. The people who will be with you in the storms and to the very end are the people in whose lives you consistently invested. That Luke was there at the end with Paul, that Luke was willing to go through everything that he went through with Paul, in part because of the gospel, and in part because they continually and consistently invested in each other's lives. Um, So our topic this evening that we're going to explore a little bit is building consistency about consistently investing and working on uh, our relationships with other people. Yeah, yeah. And I like that we kind of added this topic in. Uh, Whenever the quarantine happened, we had to cancel the singing night on the fifth Wednesday. and It's hard to do a yeah. singing night remotely. <laughs> yeah, it, it could have been a really weird night, for yes. sure. Um, but, you know, we added this topic in, and it felt like this is a good place to stick it. Yeah. Um, are you able to go back to the slide before? Absolutely. Because I think we're going to talk about that for a moment. Um, you know, when I see this, it reminds me of a lot of clients that I've worked with that particularly those that are grieving. And one of the consistent feedbacks that I get from them is that it feels like their friends have disappeared, Mm -hmm. right? And so looking at this, it's like this feels like a a very rosy outlook, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I guess how can we accept that this is not simply a rosy outlook, but is also a good application of, of this work on ourselves in yeah. our life. Well, and, and I'll, I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit. Before we started recording, we started talking about this, this statement. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, as people that have worked with those that are grieving, we've seen both sides of this. We've, yeah. seen, we've seen the people, you know, even going back a, a slide before this, you know, Paul experienced a lot of disappointment in his yeah. life. He experienced many times where people disappointed him and weren't there for him the way he believed that they should have been there for him. Like, I mean, we don't know much about Demas or what it means to, quote, be in love with this present world, but we know that he deserted Paul. I would assume that Paul invested in Demas's life as well. And so just because we invest in someone's life doesn't mean that they're going to stick with us in the storms. It yeah. doesn't mean that they're going to be with us to the end. It, it doesn't mean that that's a guarantee. But I think the guarantee is that if you don't invest in anyone's life, yeah. then you won't have anyone with right. you in the storms. Right. And you may find that when you are in those storms, that it feels like everyone has left you. Mm. And most of the time, when you are like, when it's like that for you, it is for your benefit, it is to your benefit for you to be the one to reach out. Even though you shouldn't be responsible for that, even though they should be thinking about mm. that, they may not realize how difficult this time is for you. Yeah. They may not realize that they have something that they could give to you that could be helpful mm. during this time. Um, they might not 
have thought about you. They might not have realized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe going back to the grief example, one of the, I think, the truly heartbreaking parts of grief and the, the difficulty in helping people that are going through something like that is many times the people they've lost are the very people that they depend on to help them when mm-hmm. things are difficult. Yeah. Right. And almost the more intense that grief is, the more likely that is to be true. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they went through so much with that person and now it feels like nobody else is there, but yeah. it's really just an indication of this void that has been left by the person that's, that's died. Yeah. Right. And, you know, there's a certain kind of beauty in that, um, and there's a certain chance for healing. And, you know, this lesson today is really about how do we develop habits that help us to advocate for ourselves when we need it, mm-hmm. that help us to be the sort of people that check in, mm-hmm. that never that, that never let somebody be in that position where they can say, I am alone yeah. with Luke, you know, <laughs> yeah. or somebody else, right? Yeah. It's like, I feel alone. Yeah. And one of the consistent notes we've hit over in, in honor of this, uh, this lesson, um, it, one of the consistent notes we've hit through this lesson series is that the responsibility is yours. Right. Right. No matter which side of it you're on, whether yeah. you're, you're on the side of you need to be helping and encouraging someone else, or you're on the side of I need to be helped and encouraged, take right. the responsibility, take the initiative. Right. Own it. Yes. Own it. This is what I can do. Yeah. Right. And with that in mind, then we need to also not own things that don't belong to us. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, well, my, my brother or my sister is grieving right now. It, this, their grief is different than mine. Right. It's like I may have some kind of effect of that grief, but if I'm needing to minister to them, my grief needs to take a back seat to theirs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they don't need to know you miss this person mm-hmm. or that you're sad they're gone. Like, yes, mm-hmm. include that. Mm-hmm. But remember that what you are feeling is simply similar to what they are, but in lesser extent, lesser degree. Don't go to someone who's in the midst of grief, struggling to keep their head above water, and then add your grief, even if it's the same grief, even if it's the same person that you're both grieving, don't add yours to theirs and say, I really miss them too. Will you comfort me? And they're like, I can barely keep my head above water. And I think sometimes we're guilty of that. Right, absolutely. And you know, something else worth considering is that whenever we do that, grievers experience that kind of thing all the time Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, well now I'm having to cover this person because you know, my spouse died or my child died. It's like, that doesn't seem very fair. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're that griever who's experiencing that, um, I hope that you can see that even if it's not done very well that it is an attempt to reach out mm-hmm. yeah people are people are trying and yeah. I noticed that when I will will call or go go by the home of someone who just lost someone they they're kind of in this mode of comforting the comforters you know mm-hmm. and so they're in this mode of like explaining to me why it's going to be okay yeah. you know and it's like or what happened yeah right or, exactly yeah. yeah and so you you want to say to them you know 
it's okay. You know, you don't, you can, you can be sad and you can grieve right. and, you know, and you don't have to try to comfort me, but you know that they're just kind of in that mode because they feel like everybody that calls or everybody that comes by, they feel a certain responsibility to host the grief, to host and to comfort the comforters. And, you know, and so they need to know yeah. that it's okay for them to grieve too. Well, and it's interesting because it's ritualistic about, you know, our society is like, well, you have to have a funeral. Mm-hmm. Like who puts that on? Yeah, the, you're right. The family, exactly. right? Yeah. And that's difficult, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, in terms of how to be most helpful to them, you know, right at the time of the funeral might not be the best place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I don't have the research here, but it, my understanding of the research is that about four months after um, it, an event is when people who have lost somebody tend to experience the pullback, yeah. whereas like everyone else has processed through their grief, yeah. and they're the only ones left with that that same kind of void, yeah. same kind of grief from before. Yeah. And having those dates in mind can be really important mm. for remembering when to reach out to somebody. Yeah. And so whenever you're developing this habit, spend some time reflecting like, well, who in my life do I think could use my encouragement, could use my friendship? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, identifying no more than 10. I, I think mm-hmm. we can, <laughs> I think we can get out of hand pretty quickly there. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of looking at that, like, well, what can I do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly mm-hmm. um, business it, it kind of schedule to check in on them? Yeah. And maybe some of these friends are daily check-ins. Maybe mm-hmm. some of these friends are weekly or monthly or mm-hmm. quarterly, um, kind of depending on your desire level of investment and maybe also potential for return mm-hmm. on investment. Mm-hmm. That's... Uh, Probably not what we need to base it all on, mm-hmm. but just kind of like, well, what space do they have for me in their life? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm thinking about in terms of return yeah. on investment. It's like, well, do they have time for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it seems that they don't, then that's somebody to check on less often. Yeah. But in those times you do check in on them, you'll find that you're, those times can be really special mm-hmm. and it can grow into something else. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. You know, I think sometimes we, we feel like that friendship should just happen. Like, you know, that relationship should just happen. And that, you know, if, if we, you know, have a friendship with somebody, then we'll just think to call them or the, you know, or or the the phone will just ring or whatever. When it actually is, there's a lot of it that has to be, you use the word ritualistic, you know, I mean, it, it almost has to become a ritual. It has to become a habit. It has to become something that we're intentional about and putting it on our calendar and saying, Hey, this is the anniversary that they lost their loved one or, you know, Hey, they've been, they got laid off, you know, a few weeks ago or whatever. And just building a schedule for ourselves so that we're intentional about making sure we're checking in on those people as opposed to just sort of assuming it will just happen, there has to be some intentionality and some habituality to yeah. it. Well, and making a habit of struggling on their behalf, mm-hmm. you know, like we talked mm-hmm. about a few weeks ago, um, and I think just such a, a beautiful example of uh, what we ought to do for each other. Yeah. So making a habit every day of struggling on their behalf and then expanding beyond just here and now mm-hmm. in what I'm doing between me and God but also to include them in that struggle and to say, you know, brother, I've been praying for you or sister, I've been praying for you during this time. And, um, 
I can only imagine what it's like for you right now, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, but you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I, I wonder if people know this or, you know, maybe need permission to do it, but I, I always say that it's, it's good to pray for somebody and it's even better to pray with somebody, you yeah. know? So, the, and, and even in this time of, of quarantine and distance, it's still good. I mean, I've had so many prayers with people over the phone. You know, can yeah. we have a prayer right now? As opposed to just saying, I'll be praying for you. And that's good. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, that's good to say, I'll be praying for you. Or I have been praying for you. But also to say, hey, can we have a prayer right now? And, and even if we built sort of a schedule around saying, these people, I'm going to call once a month. And I'm going to ask them if I can have a prayer with them. And there may be some people that say, no, I'd, yeah. I'd rather not. And that's okay. You know, respect that. But... But uh, it can mean the world to somebody if you just say, hey, it's, it's, it's that time of month again. I'm going I'm to call you and I just want to see if I can have a prayer with you. And um, even if you can't be with somebody right now, uh, there's still so many opportunities to pray with people. Well, and it can be truly overwhelming, I think, for that person to be like, man, another, another person sure. just wants to talk to me about that. And even if it's a good kind of overwhelmed feeling, um, they may be too much for them that day, yeah. right? You yeah. have to respect that. Right. I, I think that's wise um, to respect that, but don't take that rejection of your offer for prayer as a reason to not reach out again. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Continue to reach out because yeah. they still matter, Yeah. right? And it's good that they know that they still matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of a story about a demon-possessed man that Jesus was ministering to, and he said... That like, don't come close to me. Don't don't heal me, basically. And you know, reading that story, it's always really confusing. It's like, well, who wouldn't want to be healed? Um, but I think if you get to know people that are really struggling, many of those people don't feel like they can be healed. Mm-hmm. Don't want to be healed. Mm-hmm. Want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like that with our friends. Yeah. Right? That we can reject good help, reject good love mm-hmm. in our life mm-hmm. because it's because our suffering feels unmanageable, mm-hmm. unbearable, and overwhelming. Yeah. And sometimes I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there's sometimes people that will initially reject that comfort or encouragement, but that through consistency we let them know this isn't a a one, one, one and done type of a thing. You know, I think that sometimes people don't believe you, believe us when we say, we want, oh, I want to be in your life. I want to help you. I want to love you. I want to have a good friendship. You know, and that goes beyond grief and, and storms of life and, and different things. But I think sometimes when we reach out to people initially, they just kind of write it off and, you know, okay, well, that was nice or whatever, but there's really no recipro- reciprocating that. But then when you when you practice this discipline of consistency and, and then they start to realize it sometimes takes a while. Yeah. They really do want to be in my life. And so just because somebody might initially not have time or not have the bandwidth or not have the interest in having a relationship through the practice of consistency, I think that sometimes what was initially a little bit cold might warm up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in did not, you know, earlier I discussed a return on investment Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've regretted the words ever since because I I don't want to think about friendship that way. Um, but I think in terms of where we continue to pour out our energy, it needs to have that kind of mindset. Sure. It's like, cause sometimes like, well, this, 
they, like I don't need to keep trying to deepen this conversation with somebody that has pushed back. Right. Right. But that doesn't mean I don't consistently and continually reach out yes. to start that conversation. Yeah. Right. It, it's more about the deepening that I'm encouraging you to right. kind of monitor your your investment. Right. Right. If like, somebody doesn't have time to go to lunch once a week, that doesn't mean you should never call them or text them. Yeah. But if somebody never responds to a text, you probably shouldn't invite them to lunch once a week. You know, I mean, yeah. if, if yeah. you can't, if you can't get, you have to gradually work into something. And if somebody's not not even interested in a shallow relationship, yeah. then there's no way to dive deeper until they at least are okay with the shallow relationship. Right, right. And so then it, it's not about the frequency so much, although if it's like multiple times a day, maybe that is too much, sure. right? But it's, it's not so much about the frequency as it is about how to manage your input. Yeah. And to kind of be like, well, how much should I invest myself into this? And over time, if that can become a kind of a benign thing for you, it's like, mm-hmm. I'll just reach out and send a text. And it's like, I'll send a text to them, make sure they know I'm thinking about them, mm-hmm. include them in my prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't affect me one way or another if they respond, because I know right. it's just probably not going to. Right, right. right. That's, yeah. a, that's a good place to be on this kind of checking in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the point of this lesson really is to emphasize these small goals, these small habits. Mm-hmm. And to not make our goals any bit any bigger than that, because mm-hmm. sometimes we get this idea. It's like, well, I'm just going to be this kind of person. I'm going to check in on everybody all the time, and everyone's going to look to me. Like they're going to know I'm just like very good at this, and that's a very self-centered way of approaching that. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, at times we do have that f- sort of fantasy yeah. about yeah. like, well, I'll be like this, and I'll be really good. I'll be recognized, and and or I'll feel really good about myself if I do mm-hmm. it like this. Um, and those big goals will fall apart really quickly because they're not sustainable. Right. They were never realistic to begin with, Mm -hmm. but a small goal, like, you know, this week I'm going to reach out to a couple of friends and just Mm -hmm. let them know I'm thinking about them. Mm -hmm. And those small goals could lead into bigger conversations, right? So it's not just one text and they ignore it, but it's a short conversation Mm -hmm. and we're a long conversation or you're talking on the phone, or you're you know meeting over video conference, or maybe you're going to lunch together, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you are building on that, and then this thing that started out as a very small goal for yourself has changed your life, mm-hmm. right? And that that is the power of this yeah. community that yeah. we're building here. It's like we're not isolating ourselves at all anymore, um, but we're building these small things into our life, and then before you know it, you're very busy. Mm-hmm with taking care and being taken care of. Yeah. I think, I think it's true in both on a personal level and with relationships that sometimes we want, we want that friendship to be instantaneous or we want even our, you know, when we go through a storm and right now, you know, like kind of our whole world is going through a a storm, some to greater and some to a lesser degree. And we, we, we wish that we had, you know, we, we wish that we had the foundation of maybe a good, you know, relationship with God or maybe a good relationship with other people, uh, but that those things take time. And, the, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. You know, if you'd planted a tree 10 years ago, you'd have a big yeah. tree. But, you know, the second best time is today. You know, so yeah. so all you can do, you can't go back in time and build a solid, huge, wonderful friendship with somebody from 10 years ago because you didn't do it then, but you could do it today and you have to start small. But it's just like, 
It's just like planting a seed and watering it and watering it and watering it. It takes that consistency, but then when the storm comes, it's going to be able to withstand the storm because you've invested and you've been, you, you took the time to send a text yeah. every week and you thought, what, what difference does it make if I, yeah. you know, if I send a text this week or what difference does it make if I make that phone call? But it does and it builds and it builds. And like you said, it becomes life-changing at some point. Right, yeah. right. And you, you begin to realize that your time is filled with these things, mm-hmm. right? And it so it may limit new people you would take on. Sure. But kind of as you're doing that, you'll you'll realize like, well, this is what the body was supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? This is how we're supposed to interact with each other and take care of each other. Um, and you know, keeping in mind previous lessons in this lesson series, you know, to find ways to carry each other's burdens, find ways to come out of yourself, find ways to slow yourself down if mm-hmm. need be, you know. But make this habit building, make this consistent, make this a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Did we cover everything I you think wanted we to did, cover? Yeah. Okay, good. Awesome. Yeah, I think that I think that this is so practical and helpful that just start wherever you are. And you mm-hmm. I, I like the saying, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. You know, my wife is probably the best card writer I have ever known in my life. She is terrific at writing cards. And, and she thinks about the people that might need a card this week, you know, or, you know, she, she thinks about somebody who's done something nice for her and she's so consistent about writing cards, but maybe that's not your thing. Maybe yeah. it's text. There's, there's a couple of people in the congregation, one in particular, who encourages me almost every single day. I kind of like it those mornings where I get to text him before he texts me, but I know <laughs> that consistently he's going to encourage me via text. And, and that just, it just makes my day better. Just hearing good morning, hope you have a great day kind of a thing. You know, and there are other people that make phone calls. Not everybody has to do it the same way. And, and you don't have to do it further than you possibly can. But I think that this is incredibly helpful what you're sharing. Find a few people, invest consistently in some consistent way in their life and yeah. invest in that friendship because there's no telling how it might bless you and bless them down the road to start that consistency now. Right, right. And it'll truly build into something that uh, changes your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thank you all so very much for being here this Wednesday night. And we want you to know we love you and we appreciate you. And if you're going through something that we can help you with, uh, if you need prayers, if you need encouragement, if you need something from us, please take the initiative to reach out to us. Let us know what your needs are. Let us know how we can help you. We'd love to have, have a prayer with you, but please, please take the opportunity to reach out to us and let us know how we might help you. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this time we've been able to share. Thank you for Kevin and the blessing that his friendship is to me. And Father, thank you for his wisdom and insight Father, I thank you for everyone that's participated tonight, and I pray that you bless them and their families and their lives. Father, help us to be an encouragement to each other, to look for ways that we can invest consistently in each other's lives, invest into our relationship with you. Father, thank you for the gospel and for the way that you have transformed us. May we live out the love that you have for us in the way that we love each other. Father, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.